Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorns Radio. I'm coming to you again from California, and the big build-up for our Land Access Symposium at UC Berkeley that's coming up very soon. Um, two long days of programming devoted to this topic from a philosophical and political economy um, perspective on land access, land transfer, land reform. And today I'm speaking with Ruthie King, who is engaged in these practices on a very practical grassroots basis with her work at the California Green School. Um, you might remember our recent episode with Antonia, who's the director of that farm school. And Ruthie is the lady on the ground doing the... Well, what's your exact job, Ruthie? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Severin. Uh, my, my exact title right now is Site Coordinator. But as you know, with nonprofits, we sort of wear lots and lots of hats. And um, I, uh, they call me the chicken lady right now because I'm working on our livestock operation, which is starting with chickens. And, um, and I am working on the renovation of our schoolhouse and, uh, and really all across the board doing some graphic design for us. We're at this totally beginning stage of, our, of the development of this project. And so I'm, uh, I'm sort of I'm playing lots of roles at once right now. And um, so let's just go a little bit back into the world, um, the world of how you get trained up to be empowered um, to have a salaried position, even if it's a small salary, with housing and food on a beautiful ranch in the middle of Mendocino, setting up a nonprofit farm um, with other women in the sunshine. How did you, um, how did you prepare yourself for this career? Well, that's a great question. I, uh, I feel like everything that I've done so far in my life has led up to this extremely eclectic and amazing opportunity um, because I have, I've, I've worked in all different kinds of sectors. So I, my training uh, was in architecture and sustainable development, and I was interested there in learning about the connection between um, our built environment and the way that we can more sustainably inhabit this planet. And uh, from there, sort of led me on this amazing path through many different farms, working with farmers on their historic barn renovations and sustainable building projects. And uh, through all of these, these opportunities I got working, building on farms, I started to discover my love for farming. <laughs> and, um, and I found that there's this, this great overlap where, you know, in school I learned a lot about planning and design and, and really mapping out your ideas and being able to communicate them clearly, and uh, something that's really important for farmers to be able to do, too. And a lot of people don't see that exactly up front as a, a, an important thing for farmers to know, but um, being able to draw out your maps and set up record-keeping systems and, and, uh, and draw up your structures and plans is, is really critical to farming. And I find that, that 
you know, that excitement that I got in school designing, designing libraries and, um, you know, condos and terrible things like that, um, I'm directly applying right now to the farming world. And uh, it's sort of one of the really, it's one of the really exciting things about the Grange Farm School that we have this thrilling opportunity to draw from a deep well of knowledge contained in our agrarian elders and community um, while at the same time we're inspiring innovation and providing this platform for students to come and experiment with their ideas and to integrate all of their passions into the farm world. It's not just about crop and livestock production. It's, it's about marketing and it's about you know, ecology. It's about the economics of it. And, um, and really, it's, for me, it's, um, it's a wonderful way to incorporate all of those different areas in, in, our, in our world. And I think that we can work on it together in a way that um, our students will find really inspiring. So let's talk a little bit about this moment in time, because um, I agree with you that we do have an incredible wealth of experience, um, in the seven, especially in the kind of 65 and up category of humans, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who um, also... Conse not consequently, but um, coincidentally, own most of the wealth and most of the land in this country. They also have most of the agricultural knowledge. Can you talk a little bit about how the Grange has provided maybe, or what else has provided a useful matrix for um, sharing that knowledge and, and allowing a mutual benefit to occur intergenerationally? Sure, I can, I can give you a great example. This is, it's been on my mind lately because um, one of our local... Granges here in Mendocino County, the Fort Bragg Grange, has a Mendocino alcohol fuel group. And um, for such a sparsely populated county, there are, I think, 65 members of this group, and they're all distilling their own ethanol, running equipment off of it in their own garages, um, weed whackers and chainsaws and tractors and vehicles, and, um, and they're experimenting out there with different crops to grow to distill, ferment and distill into this fuel. Uh, and, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's start again. You're talking about people growing their own fuel, but it's an alcohol-based fuel. So you're talking about DIY ethanol. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's a, and, you know, we can run, most vehicles we can run 50-50 split of ethanol and gasoline um, without any modification to the engine. Some vehicles we can run 100% ethanol and um all of our two-stroke engines, like our weed whackers and chainsaws and farm equipment, can run directly off of this stuff. Uh, we have this cool opportunity in Northern California. It's a big, we're big into viniculture here, and um, so a lot, of, a lot of wine grape production, and they have this enormous amount of this byproduct, waste product, called lees, left over at the crush facilities, um, which they're having to pay to dispose of. It it's, can be a toxic waste product, actually. And here, in this county, this group of people has figured out a way to get all of that donated for free, this waste product, taking it out of the waste stream, and turn and re and um, I'm sorry, it's already fermented, and so they distill it again to get a higher proof. They can get 180, 190 proof out of this stuff, and they're running little, uh, they're running their vans off of it. I went out the other day and got to test drive um, a little 1930s um, beach. What do you call these things? like a bike, a bicycle that's been rigged up with an electric or with a motor, and it runs off of wine. <laughs> and um, so here at the Ridgewood Ranch, we have a 300-gallon reflux still that was, that was used 40 years ago, and it, it was, you know, has since gone into disuse, um, but it's in great shape. And these, these folks out of the Fort Bragg Range have offered to 
provide us with all of their information. They've given us textbooks. They've come out and uh, taken tours, and they, there's a group of them now that are dedicated to helping us bring this still back into production. Just to give you an idea of scale, the stills that they have in their garages are five-gallon stills. We've got a 300-gallon still with 3,500 gallons of storage capacity, and it, it's just been sitting there for 40 years. Part of the reason it, it isn't used anymore or they stopped using it is because they were you know, they were buying corn and molasses to turn into ethanol. And uh, we're, we know now that corn is a really low-efficiency, poor um, fuel source, and it has these terrible monoculture methods of growing it. And so, um, so these guys out on the, on the coast are talking about growing um, castor beans and Jerusalem artichokes and different, you know, they're testing and experimenting with different crops that we can grow uh, or, you know, using the, the leaves, the wine byproduct. There's all different kinds of things that we can use, and I think that this year will be a really exciting one. This, the Grange Farm School provides this excellent platform for new ideas. You know, I never would have, <laughs> I never would have come up with this idea on my own, of course. And um, I, you know, there's this collaborative knowledge, collaborative collective knowledge is so much more powerful than solitary information developed in a void. And so, um, the exciting thing about the potential of this farm school is that we're, we're able to, you know, we're we're able to let people bring their ideas and their passions to the table and use this as a platform to develop and research uh, and to share and disseminate their ideas. And so, um, like I said, it's never some, not something I ever would have dreamt up on my own, but I'm so excited that it's here. And, um, you know, on the same note, we've got another group on the coast that's been developing, they've been developing electric tractors, 40 horsepower, big burly tractors uh, that are silent. You drive it in the field, you can hear the birds chirping, and they have, they're, they're connect, they've got a battery bank mounted on the tractor. We've got a solar array going. So these guys on the coast are donating one of their tractors to us so that we can start using their data logger and help them figure out, work out the kinks and figure out how this electric tractor is going to work. And so, you know, totally unexpected that this year would be sort of like a, an alternative clean fuel year or, you know, energy year. And um, it's, it's happening because the you know, the will is there and that we have these great resources of people locally that are willing to come out and um, that want to pass on their knowledge. And they're so excited about the idea of having students that they can teach. How do you run the still? You wake up at 5 in the morning, you light the fire under the steam-powered boiler, and you get the steam going through the still to heat up your, uh, your, your leaves to 170 degrees where we start to get alcohol evaporating and um, separating from the water and... and it's it's an amazing opportunity. I, I can't wait for the first student to come out here and get to get their hands dirty with ethanol. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys out there on the coast said to us that you know it used to be that he wouldn't drink anything that he would run his car on, and now he won't run his car on anything that you can't drink. So they're they're just they're hilarious out there too. And and I think that um, we have this really cool opportunity for students to come and learn from people with a passion, but also to bring their own passions to the table. Um, and, and, you know, to work with us on what they're interested in and to expand the definition of sustainable agriculture. Well, and I just can't even, I mean, I just can imagine so easily the delight of these kooky old-timer dudes playing with their stills to find an audience in a bunch of, you know, eager, motivated, smart, young farmers. I just think they're probably super delighted to have found you guys to to play with on this experiment. Absolutely, and yeah. They, they still have, they've got a lot of energy out there, you know, and they're sort of representative of this this crisis that you're talking about where the, the Grange 
membership is also an aging membership. And um, we, will, we will have this crisis coming up where there's going to be a gap and we, we will need farmers to step in and, and, and produce all of, our, all of our agricultural needs. And we want the next generation of farmers to, to be responsible farmers with an eye towards sustainability and balance and ecology and high-quality food. And um, we want them to be creative and good and, you know, good-intentioned individuals. So we're really hoping that this, um, this group of kids we get out is, and not kids, we're, we're doing an adult education thing here, to be clear, but we're hoping that we're, we'll get some really inspiring, curious uh, individuals who can come and, and harvest the information that is all over our granges and all over our communities, but contained within the minds of these amazing agrarian elders who have lived long lives and have and who understand, you know, the, the way the land works with the, with our crops and the way that um, the way that we are affecting the land around us. And I just uh, I am I am so thrilled to have a way to bridge that gap and to pass on some information. So this is all pretty good stuff, and um, I can testify, having been there, that is an incredibly beautiful place. Um, and very exciting to see it all coming together in such a scrappy, holistic, um, fully engaged way. Can you tell me a little bit about your curriculum that, um, or how you're approaching the design um, and the learning that will be going on there? Sure, right. You know, this, um, the first two years we are really doing a lot of infrastructure development, and so that's... Um, for me, that's the most exciting part. The planning process is, is so important. And um, so the first, couple, the first year, this year, in 2014, we'll be hosting these practicum students. And, and it will be sort of a loose, a loose program where we are able to provide um, housing and food for students. Uh, you know, the students will be providing 25 hours of work a week. And um, they'll be getting an, a, a hands-on education. So they'll be working with us on designing where our irrigation lines are going to be set and where our fences are going to go and how do we, where do our gates need to be and all of these things that you sort of don't question when you arrive on an already established farm. So this first, this first year will be a lot of um, infrastructure planning. And I think that's a really important thing for students to get some practice with. And we'll be able to... You know, we're, we're working on it all along, but we'll be able to, you know, ask our students to, to do these exercises where, you know, they look at what we've already done, and we want them to be able to say, this is five other ways that this could be done, and this is why we did it this way, or this is why I would have done it this way, and we want them to be able to critically look at the way, um, the way that we've already set things up and the way that we're going to move in the future, and um, I think collaboration is going to be really key for us and, and important for us as the developers to, to be able to explain our process and to show our, to show our thought process and our methods. And so this first year will be a lot about um, record keeping and setting up those systems so that it's very clear and easy for new students to understand. Uh, going on from there, in 2015, we'll, become, we'll be working more on our curriculum development. And so Antonia Partridge is our director. She's got decades of experience teaching agriculture, and she teaches at the community college now, and, um, and she, she and I will be teaching a sort of foundational curriculum on crop production and livestock management. And so, again, we have this great opportunity of having hands-on learning, but we'll be, doing, we'll be integrating um, afternoon lessons and guest lecturers and trips, visits to other farms to see 
what's actually happening. And, you know, I, I'm of the opinion, I, I went to a four-year college, and, um, and I get a lot out of research and reading and writing, and I think that that is a really useful tool. But I also completely missed out on the hands-on experiential learning side of it. And um, I, I am really hoping that we're able to provide both for our students. And so everyone learns differently. I think that being able to see in front of you and, and test with your hands how the, how the electric fence is working um, will be an important thing. But I also think that we'll, we'll want to integrate um, all, different, all different styles, including, you know, We'll have an, we already have many donations for our extensive library, and we'll, you know, we'll be working on writing and reading and um, important things that I think farmers need to be able to do. You know, it's it's hard for a farmer who have, who works 16 hours a day in the height of the summer uh, to sit down and record all of the things they did that day. But such an invaluable thing to do for for the next generation and to to pass on the information. And I think that if we can train the next generation of farmers to be um, really conscientious of the way that they are developing and recording all of their developments um, will really make it a lot easier on this next generation. You know, people are out there buying farms now or looking looking at land and not having a good map of where the water lines are can be a complete disaster down the road, down the line. And so, um, my hope is that we can really focus on on good record keeping and good good communication. Um, so, so we'll be working on all of these things, and then 2016 we'll have our nine-month full-on um, residential on-farm learning program, training program, um, and uh, that will be it. Will be a more intensive version of these first two years, um, with with more focus on afternoon lessons and curriculum and guest lecturing. I have to say, I'm I think the students that come in these first two years are are so lucky. <laughs> And what an amazing opportunity they will have to actually see the planning process. I, uh, I think that given the opportunity earlier on in life, this would have been, this would have been the, the place to be for me. And I, um, I am just so excited for these students. I, I can't wait to meet them. So people can apply at californiagrange.org, and they can call you and talk to you, and they can call Antonia and talk to her. Um, we only have another, um, another five minutes, so I don't want to take too long, but maybe describe what, are, what would make a really good candidate um, for you guys as you're looking at the list of folks who are applying. How That's are young question. people who are thinking about their careers going to prepare themselves to be a great applicant to your program? That's, an, that's a really excellent question, and I went through this exercise with myself of Dreaming up what the perfect candidate would look would be like, and and it's hard to say because I, you know, um, at this point for this year, we're open to all different kinds of people with different goals and different skill sets, and um, we're not necessarily looking for people who have a lot of experience. We're looking people for people who are open-minded and curious individuals, who are able to think, you know, to critically think and use common sense. Um, but who are just more than anything who are excited and ready and open to learn. And so, whether they are, you know, they have grown up on a farm and they're looking to learn the business side of it, or they are wanting to focus on maybe uh, construction and renovation skills, I think that that would be excellent. But we are also open to um, to people who 
maybe have graduated from college with a degree in anthropology and want are, are interested in getting their hands in the dirt. And um, you know, I, I uh, I'm open I'm open to anything. I think that most of all, I want I want students, I want applicants who are going to come with with an interest and a passion and curiosity. Um, and ideally, you know, we're looking for students who who have some sort of proposal or idea. It would be nice. It would be nice to see a student like a media studies intern who who wants to come and they want to really record the whole process of what we're doing. Um, or, for example, an economic student who's interested in in enterprise analysis. Um, you know, or I I would be more than happy. I would be thrilled to have ten students you know, fresh out of ag school who maybe have never learned to drive a tractor because big agricultural schools don't necessarily require that kind of work um, and who are just interested in actually the process of of running a functioning farm. And we're setting up that platform for them. We're setting up a platform for all different kinds of students. And um, the students who, who come this year will sort of form the future of the project in a way. The, the interest that they have and the focus that they choose um, will really move us along in an interesting way. I'm, I'm so interested in seeing the way they're going to change, you know, change our path based on their interests. And I, and I imagine every year will be completely different. Um, so, so I, you know, so I encourage all, all different and, students with all... And in the meantime, learn more mm -hmm. about your own local Grange um, these women have done such a great job engaging in this institution that was just waiting to support a new growth. It's like a taproot or a um, rootstock, and now there's a new graft to revive um, and grow a resilient variety of apple that is oh so rosy and sweet. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's a lot of potential in a lot of other places around the country for similar uh, institutional grafting, so I encourage you to think Think locally also, not only move to beautiful California and <laughs> work with Ruthie and Antonia. <laughs> uh, one more announcement before I let go of the horn. Um, on May 3rd, Agrarian Trust is having its second event. Um, obviously, this we have a big symposium on April 26th, 27th. You've been hearing me talk about it. If you haven't downloaded the podcast by now, get on it. Um, May 3rd, we have a negotiation training um, helping beginning farmers especially practice proactive communication skills to get win-win uh, outcomes in terms of land access, lease negotiations, um, donor and investor relations, um, dealing with nonprofit boards and conservation organizations, all the different people you have to interact with, how to make sure that um, you are negotiating yourself the best deal you can get and the best security on the land such that the land can be also treated as well as it can be. So that's May 3rd um, in partnership with the Cary Center for Global Good, CAID, and the New York Agricultural Mediation Program. Again, that will be available on podcast as an open source um, training for you in your own professional development as a farmer, as a farm service provider, um, as a stakeholder in land transition. We hope you will benefit. Thank you, Ruthie. Thanks, Severin. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, 
or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>